0: in a world full of corruption. It's everywhere, politics, business, education, and sadly, even in the church. Welcome to Through the Bible. Today we're in Nehemiah chapter 5, where our teacher, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, shows us how to respond to hypocrisy and dishonesty among those who claim to be God's children. Now before we get started, Greg and I want to share one of our favorite traditions, and that's reading letters from our fellow passengers on the Bible bus. Greg, you got some of those letters?
1: I think I got a few around here somewhere, Steve. There's usually uh, great piles of them, whether that's digitally or in paper. Yes. Um, but, but today we're excited because we love to always to hear from anyone about what God is doing in their lives. But today we, we're going to see, we've got some missionaries among our listening family. So let's, let's hear how our fellow Bible bus passengers share God's word with others.
0: Here's the first one from Marvin in Spokane, Washington. Thank you for the app. I work at a large box store and get to talk to many foreign customers doing customer service. I show them the app and tell them that it has the Bible in 125 plus languages. I show them the TTB icon so they know which app to download. I also tell customers that I get paid for customer service, but my joy is treating them the way the Lord God Almighty wants them to be treated.
1: Wow, way to go, Marvin. And I'm sure there might be some risk in that, but good for you to step up and and speak up for the Lord Jesus, and and we're glad there are tools. Don't forget, you can give out those Bible bus passes with the QR codes as well. Joe from Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. I just love to say that. Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. He shares this. I just got home a few days ago and received your three packages of Bible bus passes. All right, Joe. Yeah. As I travel across this beautiful God-created country, I leave cards inside the travel centers, inside the men's bathrooms, naturally, and on business counters as well. I pray these seeds will be watered and nurtured quickly as our time is quickly approaching for Jesus' return for his bride. Thank you so much for providing the amazing seed, which I then take and plant. I drive all 48 contiguous states, so planting is good while the season is open. Thanks again, and overwhelming blessings to you and the entire staff at Through the Bible.
0: That is so cool. I'm, I'm assuming Joe's an over-the-road trucker. I, I so. think
1: we can infer that, yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: this is from Dyke in Superior, Wisconsin, who tells us, Last week, my email disappeared. I don't know what happened. Maybe I was hacked, but I ceased getting the World Prayer Team notifications on my phone. I was lost. I needed to pray with you, but I couldn't. After 48 hours, finally... It finally returned me back to you, but I knew I lost some valuable prayer opportunities and I needed to intercede for these Christians and seekers around the globe immediately. It's funny how important their lives mean to me now. The world is that much smaller when we get the opportunities to pray for it as an army that marches on its knees. Also, I wanted to let you know that when you started the 11th go-around, I chartered a Bible bus and invited 78 passengers to get on board. Of those 78, we might have only six riding the line to the end. Of those, I try to touch base to see how they are enjoying it. I have one brother who has become so excited that he has listened to Dr. McGee over and over. A couple of my workmates and we talk about the daily broadcasts on the workroom floor— I had met Dr. McGee three times back in my college days, and he has been a father figure that still speaks to me through the teaching and books, though he is no longer with us on the earth. He would have been so proud of you all. Our prayers are with you. Be strong and very courageous. The Lord is with you.
1: Oh, my goodness. Well, I would say he would be very proud of all of our listeners, like the three that we just heard from, who are so proactively and uh, ambitiously sharing uh fling the seed, as Dr. McGee would say.
0: Yeah, and I think Dyke is the first guy that's had uh withdrawal symptoms from not getting not the World getting Prayer not, Team emails. Yeah,
1: I love that. I mean, that that is a a lovely condition to have in your yeah. soul.
0: And, and the burden to pray for other people and to feel the connection that you will one day feel in a very real sense when we're, in, when we're in glory together because we're going to be worshiping a risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
1: Absolutely, and don't forget to tell us your story as well.
0: Greg, why don't you pray for us as we begin?
1: Father, we rejoice in the way that you work through all of us and your word is so powerful and your spirit guides us. And we pray that all those who hear our voices today would be moved by your spirit to share with others the joy of knowing your word and Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.
0: Here's our study on Nehemiah 5 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee.
2: Now, friends, we come today to this marvelous fifth chapter of Nehemiah. And I just well say it now because I say it every day when we come to a new chapter. All the chapters of the Bible are marvelous chapters. Some seem to me, though, to be a little bit more marvelous than other chapters. Now, this fifth chapter here, we continue the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem with Nehemiah. And we've seen him meet the opposition and... The opposition has taken many forms. My, the devil is subtle. I think that today he's tempting those that are God's own and making it difficult for them. And he makes it very difficult here in this particular instance. Now, there's been all kinds of opposition that began at first with just laughing at them and then ridiculing them. And then there was open opposition to them. So much so that Nehemiah had to, as it were, put a trowel in one hand of those that worked and a sword in the other hand. And that's the way that they built. And Nehemiah and those that were associated with him, they didn't even take off their clothes in those days, except he very frankly told us as we took them off to watch. after all, he said, you know, we got dirty. And now we see opposition coming from within. And actually, this is where the devil gets in his greatest blow. You will recall that when he couldn't destroy the church by persecution, the next thing he did was to join it. And we have here the fact that he now moves inside, and he's already caused discouragement to the people. And now he goes a step farther, and there is... Conflict inside, there is trouble within. And here it is. I begin reading at verse 1 of chapter 5 of Nehemiah. And there was a great cry of the people and of their wives against their brethren, the Jews. For there were that said, We, are sons and our daughters, are many. Therefore we take up corn for them that we may eat and live. Some also there were that said, We've mortgaged our lands, vineyards, and houses that we might buy corn because of the dearth. There were also that said we borrowed money for the king's tribute and that upon our lands and vineyards. Now, you see, human nature doesn't really change. And not only that, but though we are living today in an electronic age and a mechanical age, technological age, a space age. Actually, the problems are about the same. I think these technical devices merely multiply the problems and make them very thorny and very difficult to solve, maybe. But actually, they're about the same. The people now, they're so busy building the walls, they haven't had opportunity to carry on their own business. And therefore, they've had to buy corn and in doing it they've had to mortgage their property and some of them had to mortgage it in order to pay their taxes taxes were high in that day you see now the thing that was happening was that they were borrowing money from their own brethren and we read in verse 5 that yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren our children as their children And lo, we bring into bondage our sons and our daughters to be servants, and some of our daughters are brought under bondage already. Neither is it in our power to redeem them, for other men have our lands and our vineyards. Now, all of this time, that was this problem that was arising, and up to this time, Nehemiah did not know it. These folk wanted to build the walls of Jerusalem. They very quietly mortgaged their property to their brethren that were in the loaning business, you know. And the foes outside hadn't been able to hurt them. (laughs) But there must be love and harmony within. Now, this is something that came into the early church, you remember. The very beginning, Ananias and Sapphira. It has to do with money. I do not know why it has to be that way, but my friend, that's the way it is. And I've observed it, but you see, it's just the same old bromide. That is, figures don't lie, but liars will figure. And there's a certain way that even a CPA can present a financial statement that looks pretty good when in reality, all the truth has not been told. And that happens actually in churches today, by the way. And that's the way the devil gets into churches. I've always noticed he comes in this way. And we find that this is the thing that actually Nehemiah had to deal with. And very frankly, he's wanting to deal with this thing that is causing them trouble. For instance, let me turn to a scripture over in Philippians 1, 28. Only let your conversation, that is your way of life, be as becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing, terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. Now, Paul says, you let harmony be inside. Be honest in your dealings. Don't give in false reports and try to belittle a brother or to make him look bad. Tell the truth. (laughs) And when you tell the truth, it'll produce harmony, you see. Well, this is not producing harmony and love at all. And these are things that the Word of God, you see, deals with. It's a very practical matter, by the way. And good old practical James, he had to get in on this too. And he had this to say, For where, this is now James 3.16, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. That's what happened with Ananias and Sapphira. Lied about it, brought in confusion. And now, in this particular case... What has happened was these brethren borrowed money. And actually they had to sell their sons and daughters into slavery, be for a period of time, but long enough probably to wreck their lives. And then they charged them interest. Now, this is legitimate interest. Usually we think of it as excessive interest, but it really just means regular interest. But the interesting thing is, though it might be legitimate, is today in business... But it wasn't for Israel. God said they were not to charge their brethren. Now, up to this point, Nehemiah has kept his cool. (laughs) He has been able to just go right along and bear with them patiently. But you know what happened now? Verse 6, listen to him. And I was very angry, not just a little angry. He was very angry when I heard their cry and these words. Then I consulted with myself. By the way, this is something for him to decide now. And so he thinks the matter through. And what does he do? I rebuke the nobles and the rulers and said unto them, Ye exact usury, every one of his brother. And I set a great assembly against them. And I said unto them, We after our ability have redeemed our brethren the Jews, which were sold unto the heathen. And will ye even sell your brethren, or shall they be sold unto us? Then held they their peace, and found nothing to answer. Right before the group, he exposed them. And I think that's the way it should be done when this type of thing comes. I think that a church should be warned if there are those that are not being honest in their dealings in the church and are moving in an underhand way. I think that that should be brought right out in the open. Now, let me tell you, Nehemiah brought it right out in the open, and he was angry. Somebody says, you shouldn't get angry. Paul says, be ye angry and sin not. It's only what you're angry about. If it's for your own personal welfare, it's wrong. I don't care what it is. But if you're angry because God's program and God's glory and God's name is being hurt and God's cause, then I'd say you can be angry and sin not. Now, this man's not being quiet about it. He's not acquiescent. He's not tacit. This man, he just speaks right out. And I think we ought to be stirred up to a righteous anger when we see things wrong today. This idea of being a fuddy-duddy, a mollycoddle, shilly-shally about things that are wrong inside the church. And a great many people say, well, we just don't want to disturb things. You don't? My friend, you better because the devil has moved in on you and he'll divide you as sure as anything. We should be stirred up for righteous anger when the cause is right. My, I tell you, we need courage today. And if there's one thing that is needed in the church, it's conviction and courage on that which is right. You see, actually outside, friends, right now, the church doesn't have a good name. And the world's passing us by. They're not coming our way anymore. This spiritual movement has been largely outside the church. Church has been playing church. And a little group there have been having a good time. They're not reaching the lost today. The world's passing them by. And a preacher in the north said to me, and he gets angry. He says, you know, this thing makes me angry today. He said, you can't reach out and touch the lost today because... They know of the hypocrisy and the dishonesty and the pious platitudes that are quoted inside the church. When the world outside knows that they are not coming our way, friend, they want to know whether we are telling the truth or not, whether we're being honest in what we have to say. And I tell you, what you have to say may stir up some of the brethren. And I'm for stirring them up. And they need to be stirred up today. But we have too many cowards. They call themselves acting like Christians. You know, we want to be sweet and nice. Well, may I say to you, that is absurd. A great many today are hiding their cowardice back of the fact they say, oh, I'm acting like a Christian. You're not. You're acting like a coward. Now, when this man, Nehemiah, brought this right out in the open, nobody was able to answer him. They had to keep quiet while he's there. The minute you leave, they're going to start, my friend, all the trouble they can, and they're going to give Nehemiah a lot of trouble when he goes back to Shushan the palace. But nevertheless, he rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem, and he served God in his day and generation. Now, will you notice, verse 9, "'Also I said it's not good that ye do, ought ye not to walk in the fear of our God?' Because of the reproach of the heathen, our enemies? Now, Christ is a reproach today in the world. But is he a reproach because of the conduct of the church? And because of the conduct of believers? And because of the conduct of you and of me? This is a question for us to ask ourselves. This man, Nehemiah, said, Look, you are causing the enemy out there to blaspheme because of this. Now, verse 10. I likewise and my brethren and my service might exact to them money and corn. I pray you let us leave off this usury. Now, I think today you'll find that this is the real test. And it sure was the test of Nehemiah. And he says, I was in a position where I could have got in on this. I could have been financially benefited by it. And I tell you, the grasping person today is after the last Father. A great many people are putting the dollar ahead of God. And you can put a dime up in front of your eye, and you can't even see the sun. And there are a lot of folk that are looking at the world like that today. Now, notice what he does. Verse 11 Restore, I pray you, to them even this day their lands, their vineyards, their olive yards, their houses. Also the hundredth part of the money and of the corn, the wine, and the oil that ye exact of them. And you're not going to collect any more payments from them. Then said they, we will restore them and will require nothing of them. So will we do as thou sayest. Then I called the priests and took an oath of them that they should do according to this promise. And old Nehemiah, I love this fella. He says, I don't believe you. You're going to have to sign on dotted lines. And these are God's people, by the way. He said, I want you to sign on the dotted line. I think one of the biggest mistakes that I think I ever made in the ministry was to believe Christians. And I hate to say that, but friends, I've had a lot of experience, and somebody needs to talk very frank today. I've always figured, well, this man's a Christian, and I can believe it. I found out I couldn't believe And as one very outstanding Christian businessman, he's a real honest man. He said to me, he said, you know, McGee, I've got to the place where I don't even like to do business with Christians. I'd much rather do business with the man in the world because I'm going to watch him. But the Christian, I assume that he's going to be honest. And he's not always honest. May I say to you, I have really been taken in in my day just because I believe Christian. And we ought to be able to. But Nehemiah is very practical. He says, all right, you promise that you're going to return it. I don't believe you. Sign you on the dotted line. That's what I want you to do. Then notice 13. Also I shook my lap and said, So God shake out every man from his house, from his labor, that performeth not this promise. Even thus he be shaken out and emptied. And all the congregation, they said, Amen. And I think today it was said in the pulpit, something that is as strong as this, that I think the congregation today would say amen. Because, you know, it just takes one bad apple to spoil a whole barrel of apples. And you can put one skunk in a whole field full of cats. And believe me, that one little old skunk, he is going to louse up the whole outfit and give them all a bad name. And it'd be well to mark him out and get the bad apple out of the barrel and a skunk out of the field of cats. May I say to you, that's exactly what this man's doing. He's actually pronouncing a curse upon him. He just shook out his lap. I think this is a tremendous scene. It's a picturesque scene. It's a dramatic scene. Nehemiah with this long robe that he's wearing, remember, he's a government official and he had on a uniform. And he shook that out, and he said right before that crowd, that's the way God will shake you out, and I'll shake you out if you don't make this good. Now I say to you, that's a way to talk to them. Paul could say that, you know, to the Galatians, I wish they were cut off at trouble, you. He said, I wish we could just absolutely cut them off. that doesn't sound very good, does it? Well, what they were doing doesn't sound very good. Now we see something of the personal life of Nehemiah, and it's wonderful. Moreover, from that time that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the twentieth year even unto the two and thirtieth year of Artaxerxes the king, that is twelve years, I and my brethren have not eaten the bread of the governor. Now he had a right to draw a salary, he did not. But the former governors that had been before me were chargeable unto the people, had taken of them bread and wine, beside forty shekels of silver. Yea, even their servants bear rule over the people. But so did not I because of the fear of God. My love, this man Nehemiah, yea, also I continued in the work of this wall, neither bought we any land. He didn't go into real estate speculation. He wasn't taking something on the side. And all my servants were gathered thither under the work. Moreover, there were at my table a hundred and fifty of the Jews and rulers, besides those that came unto us from among the heathen that are about us. Now that which was prepared for me daily was one ox and six choice sheep. He said, I only took my expenses. That was all that I received. Also fowls were prepared for me. and once in ten days stores of all sorts of wine. Yet for all this required not I, the bread of the governor, because the bondage was heavy upon this people. Think upon me, O oh my God, for good, according to all that I've done for this people. You know, he didn't go into the real estate business. It's not good and preachers go into business either. And this man was different from the other governors. Now, the people would forget him. That's the sad thing about today. That's what many a famous person has learned. The world will forget you. The people might forget, and alas, they do forget. But he asked God to remember him. Think upon me, my God. And you know, God, he doesn't remember our sins anymore, but he'll always remember your good works. Unless he forgets, he writes it down. Isn't it wonderful? Our God And Nehemiah asks him to remember. And after all, that's all that matters. Isn't he a wonderful man? Well, we'll follow on in the rebuilding of the walls next time as we come to the sixth chapter. Until next time, may the Lord bless you, my beloved.
0: If you'd like to spend a little more time being inspired by Nehemiah's faithfulness to God, you can listen to these messages anytime on our website, ttb.org. And if we can help you find other resources by Dr. McGee, then just call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE. And God bless you today as you walk with Him in His Word. Today's study with Dr. J. Vernon McGee is brought to you by Through the Bible, and it's made possible by the generous prayer and financial investments from listeners like you on the Bible bus all around the world.